guys, welcome back to The Backbeat. I've returned after my co-host Gabby's departure from the project last episode. I feel like it's a pretty triumphant kickoff here because I'm with someone who's kind of been one of our goal guests for a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm putting on the flattery right now. Um, <laughs> I've got Dale Tanner, vocalist of Ocean Grove here in New Year's, gearing up for Unify next week. And it's coming around so fast. How are you going? G'day, yeah, it's good to be here. I'm going well, thank you. Amazing. Um, in the sort of process of booking this, I included that I try to get a, a little deeper into topics of like the behind the scenes of the industry. And a large part of that is to do with like mental health and personal well-being. And Abby mentioned there's a lot of those themes throughout the upcoming album. Um, and having a read through the development of the band overall, it sounds like there's a lot of that uh, positive mental attitude messages and messages of hope thrown throughout. Um, what would you say is sort of the biggest thing you've gotten out of writing this collection of songs in that sense? Um, I think for me personally, this has been um, the, the best opportunity to really put my my own self and essence and like through my experiences, what I believe that I want to sort of contribute to the world um, and the message yeah. that I really want uh, Ocean Grove to embody, uh, I think is, yeah, in, present in this album um, more than ever. Uh, and, the yeah, the messaging of PMA or positive mental attitude is very much at the core of uh, what Ocean Grove does and very much at the core of sort of my personal ethos um, mm -hmm. mental health is sort of, uh, you know, it's such a complicated and, um, you know, like just diverse terrain to sort of try and tackle from any one angle. But from my personal experience, um, I, I found we can, yeah, definitely delve into this deeper, but I found that sort of adopting this kind of just strict positive mental attitude and flipping flipping negatives into positives wherever you can and utilizing suffering and uh, utilizing, um, yeah, potential um, disadvantages to actually be your greatest advantage. And, um, yeah, we go into a, ho a whole lot of that um, throughout the album and, um, and in past, past music too. So it really feels like, uh, yeah, with this album, we're, we're finally like cracking that code and getting that message out to the wider, wider audiences. Oh yeah. And that phrase PMA, it's kind of pretty self-explanatory, the positive mental attitude. But um, I find that often in cases where it's most needed, it can be harder to practice. Yes. And uh, the whole like the infamous good vibes only attitude, uh, there's been discussions around that about how it can sometimes prove to be a little bit harmful in pushing that you have to always be positive and peppy and engaged when in reality, you know, bad days happen and that's okay. So how do you best practice it without feeling guilty when you're having a bad day? Yeah, no doubt. That's a great question. I think the thing that separates um, it simply being just like a vibe or a motivation to sort of, oh, I've just got to put on the brave face and I've just got to smile and yeah. it'll be good. It's actually not that at all. So it's actually, it's about callousing your mind and it's mm -hmm. through, it's through repetition and it's actually through, um, you know, you, you kind of got to be more so dedicated and hardworking and sort of devoted to, um, you know, creating a, like a positive mental attitude mindset rather than mm -hmm. just sort of, um, 
thinking that that's sort of like the ideal. So it, you essentially do need to treat it like any other muscle in your body. If you want it to get stronger, you need to work that muscle out. And so when it comes to facing adversity and facing a hard day, um, you know, I, I've been listening. It's actually, you know, really good timing. I've just been, um, I got about halfway through um, the audio book for David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me, um, which you may or may not have heard of, but um, he's sort of this ultra, ultra runner, like Ultraman sort of um, guy that's like come from a really um, crazy background story. And uh, he's just, he's super into this idea. Um, of callousing your mind and taking, um, yeah, these adversities and really sort of using them as like fuel for you to kind of conquer and gain strength from. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's like, that's such an important like message in it. It's that, you know, one thing he, he touched on, which I th- thought was like, was, was so was so great to answer this question is that, we all feel motivated to sort of, um, yeah, maybe get out and have a run and, and feel good or do the thing that we think is going to be best for our mental health. We usually only feel most motivated for that when we're actually in a comfortable position. You know, we might be mm-hmm. on the couch, you know, like in a warm environment, we're feeling good, we're feeling healthy. And in those moments, sure, we can have a positive mental attitude and outlook about life. Like it's quite easy to do. When Mm -hmm. hard is when we're down in the dumps and we're having a shit day. And these these are the times when you actually need to lean into rather than back away from your life. You actually Mm -hmm. need to sort of take that moment and go, I can either back away from this and let it sort of dictate how I feel on a day-to-day basis or I can lean into it and actually sort of conquer it little by little. And that, that is a process, as I was saying, it's this repetition of sort of working that mental muscle and callousing the mind so that the next time it comes up, it's not as scary and it's not as like intimidating or foreign because you're already, you're already sort of preparing yourself to, to, yeah, to lean in rather than back off. And so that's kind of, yeah, like a little bit of how I'll sort of answer that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting seeing some of the like similar, uh, attitudes I'm seeing, especially amongst, I would say this sort of genre of music, um, and the related genres like, um, and, and there is that obviously that connection with Tonight Alive and Jenna, who, who has those sort of attitudes very, very prominently popped up on her social media and things as well. And, um, I think it's, it's amazing to see people with that platform, uh, you know, sending out those messages rather than just like, here's my latest single. Like it's really cool to have a relatable, engaging sort of person to, to relate to and, and, and yeah, see up on the, on the stage and. Yeah. I, I, I take a lot of inspiration from Jenna and she's such a, a great example of that and great role model in terms of promoting, um, yeah, positive outlook and, um, yes, like safety, uh, to talk about that vulnerably, yeah. um, and things yep. like this, which are, um, you know, it's so important to get out there. And I, I feel as a, a male role model, um, that it's, it's so crucial, um, yeah, for me also, uh, to present that vulnerability and that, uh, messaging that like, um, it's no different for anyone and that it's okay to sort of not only talk about things, but, um, 
yeah, so again, like lean into it and sort of just like work out like what's the healthiest way that we can kind of be be moving forward. And um, it it's really like for me, it, it would feel nowhere near as fulfilling to be creating music and um, telling a story without it actually having some context to some real life beliefs. Um, yeah. For me, that's such a massive anchor for for what I'm doing moving forward, especially now, like, you know, in, into sort of my late 20s and it's very much not so much a just a hobby, like bumming around with a few mates in a in a garage. Like I'm like, wow, this is very like very quickly becoming my like career and it's so much more <laughs> so much more than that. And like I, I really need to sort of stand for something and every time when I sort of bring that question up in my mind of sort of like what, what yeah, what can I present and what do I stand for? it does come back to this point of positive mental attitude because the first time that that term popped up was, um, you know, around, uh, I think it was 2012, 2013, I went into a random JB Hi-Fi and I was just like, hey, like, you know, just grab the guy that was running the music section. I'm like, I'm, to be honest, I, this is you know, before the days of Spotify where you could just like um, sprawl and check out mm. hundreds of albums in one little hit, you know, and, and so it was still like you had to kind of get it through CDs or, or DVD, uh, sorry, or yeah. um, downloading or whatever. And, um, and so I just went into JB. I'm just like, hey, do you have just like a bunch of like, you know, punk and whatever, um, just like heavy rock or whatever you know that's that you recommend and and um one of them that he gave me was you know his bad brains album and like that was kind of on the top of the pile and he's just like yeah like if you have no context of this or or whatever like check this out and it was the first one i put in like on the drive home and it just like blew my mind i'd heard nothing like it and this was sort of like the origins of you know punk music and one of the terms that was present on that album and what they sort of presented to the world was this pma positive mental attitude ethos and yeah. i just found like it all of a sudden it just clicked in my mind i'm like i was drawn to this music from a kid and then all of a sudden realizing that this sort of message could also be presented hand in hand like with a punk attitude at the same time i just thought like that's that's so cool because i don't know i think from an outside perspective so many people would view um punk bands metal bands whatever it might be as like just being negative and being associated yeah. with dark things and negative thoughts and all this kind of thing and it like it was such a pump up for me to sort of realize like no you can actually like like it's actually fuel having that sort of energy and aggression and things like harnessed in a positive way is actually so much more powerful than, than, than even being sort of more passive and on the outskirts. And I thought, that's it. Like it was sort of like a light bulb moment. And I just thought going forward, it, it, it served me in so many experiences where taking an experience and looking at it and going, okay, like maybe I was dealt a shitty hand on that occasion, but like how can I use that? to my advantage to actually, um, you know, not only grow from, but demonstrate like to myself and to others, like the power of, um, you know, the human will and, and, mm. and the, the kind of the desire to overcome those adversities. It's, it's almost like you, you, you present yourself with your own underdog story and you kind of go, okay, like if I was dealt an even worse hand, that would make, 
my story of getting here even more epic. Like what else, <laughs> what other speed humps can I like put in my way so that I can overcome them and just make my own story and, and the fulfillment of achieving that just feels so much more worthwhile. And that like, I don't know, it just feels like some kind of hack like to life. Yeah. It's, it's really once you sort of, you realize that, that like, like the book, David Goggins, it's like, it's titled can't hurt me. And like, once you sort of tap into that mentality of like every negative actually becomes a positive and something that you use in a positive direction, it's like mind blowing. Yeah. It's like looking for the hurdles so that you can jump them. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. I, it's interesting to go into like the the history of punk in that that what you were talking about just before with mm. people's perception of it um even when it was sort of just sort of starting to come out of the woodworks however many decades ago yeah um and it primarily being a way of expressing uh discontent with the world and how how it needs to be better and things like that um and even nowadays there's like I saw it's going around social media there was a post that was saying that they've discovered that um, punk and heavy music and stuff like that actually brings up your like dopamine levels and like positive you know hormones and makes you happier and everyone in this community is just like yeah no shit (laughs) yeah 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 no totally I um I think it's it's definitely in line with the fact that there is an underlying like catharsis to Mm. this style of music it's not passive it very much is active and for a lot of people it's kind of the only outlet to really explore these emotions um and yeah like spin it on Mm. head it's like okay I, i might be feeling a negative emotion right now but by listening to this music it's sort of it turns out into, yeah, maybe inspiration to go have a run or hit the gym or go have a surf or paint or whatever it might be. It's sort of like I, I, I think, uh, again, people fall into that trap of sort of assuming that just because it's, um, yeah, heavy or, or sort of dark is that the intention is to further, like, perpetuate that mm. idea but actually it's trying yeah. kind of trying to do the opposite it's sort of like let that out so that it's no longer yeah getting coddled up inside yeah exactly um in the in the bio for up in the air forever i actually before i get into that what does up in the air forever actually mean like as a phrase does it mean anything is it yeah yeah definitely i mean i think it's it's quite pertinent for the current um sort of uh, you know, last couple of years that Ocean Grove and the world has been in, but very much for Ocean Grove, um, I think we landed on that title because it not only did it had had a good ring to it, but uh, we we wanted an album to encapsulate uh, the idea that um, everything is always uncertain, and that like Ocean Grove story up until this point, and I'm sure going forward has been like up in the air. Like it's been just like sharp right angle turn, <laughs> like from the get go. And we've had multiple lineup changes and our sound mm. evolved so much. And um, I, I just think to sum up the journey up until this point, um, yeah, up in the up in the air forever was, was the perfect way to summarize that because um, I've said it before, but like, you know, this 
last these, this pandemic, these last two years, has really taught us that nothing is for certain, and you cannot take for mm. fact that um, life is so unstable. And this comes back to that point of callousing the mind to sort of be prepared for that, and to sort of know that like around the quarters could be just something so unexpected that uh, it throws your whole um, five, ten year plan out the window, and that. You know, and that was very much a, a hard pill to swallow for us having just released an album at the start of the pandemic and having to sort of face this idea that, gosh, we may not even ever play this music ever again. Um, I've had those sort of thoughts um, a lot the last few years, sort of not even knowing whether it was even going to be a possibility again. And so yeah. I think it's very much a nod to that. Um, it's, it's also very much a nod to um, the fact that, like, the, you know, the idea and the fact that we are, we are eternal, we are eternal sort of beings. And, you know, this sort of, this life and, and death isn't, isn't kind of the end of, of our story. And that, um, there is a, there's a bigger picture going on around us. You just sort of got to, yeah, open your mind to that and sort of not have the limited view that, you know, age, death and, and disease and these things, uh, are, um, yeah, the end of our end of our story. So it's sort of like a, I guess, of a, a multiple um, perspective title in that one. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, yeah, in the bio you speak a lot about uh, shunning outside influence and that you wanted it to be a source of freedom for realizing people's own abilities and inabilities, and uh, I suppose having the confidence that they can make those decisions without that influence. And I feel like it sort of alludes to a bit of further introspection around like self-worth and self-image and confidence and assurance and developing your own sort of assertiveness and prioritizing yourself. Is that something that's sort of been an issue or something you've found yourself focusing on? Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, we, we, we have always um, been like very big advocates for um, promoting yeah, individual individuality and self-expression and sort of whatever form that that takes um, mm. is is like that's the most empowering thing. So, for instance, um, I've you know for all my life I've um, I've had one ear um, you know that doesn't like I can't hear out of one ear and it was when I was born it was like highly underdeveloped. So I only had one ear that was sort of fully developed that I could hear out of. And the other was sort of, um, yeah, very underdeveloped. So I've sort of got only partial hearing. Um, oh. And in terms of a physical, um, yeah, physical appearance, uh, it, it looks different. It looks, you know, weird. And so I guess for me, it's, um, that has been my own little personal journey of sort of uh, overcoming this little um, like battle to sort of be like, okay, like there's something about me that makes me sort of different to the normal human being. Mm-hmm. Am I either going to sort of grow my hair out and sort of, you know, hide behind that and not really reveal that part of myself and sort of find safety and security in that? Or like, do I kind of own it and like put that thing to the forefront and actually be like, no, that's actually the thing that makes me unique. And there's no one else on the planet that's like, like that. And mm-hmm. so that's been a, like a really important lesson for me to sort of encourage that in others because you never know like what, what is that one thing? It might be inside or it might be outside, but everyone has something that makes them many things that make them unique. But most of the time society doesn't encourage us to sort of put that 
on the pedestal and to put that in the forefront rather it encourages us to sort of you know like dampen that down throw a blanket over it and just present the things that are sort of in line with the norm and the status quo and ocean grove Mm. just is so about just like fuck that to the to the status quo and um and just doing things that are unique to you and feel right and some things you know might that, that feel right to some people might be in line with the conventional thinking and that's okay but if it feels like you're sort of suppressing certain things because because of the need to just fit in um, mm. that's not necessarily the healthiest approach and so my journey yeah with my ear and my hearing and, and all of this is I know that there's people out there that have like it, it my problems are nothing compared to um, others out there. And so it's a very humbling sort of experience to go, okay, you know, this, this might be like one little thing that makes me different, but you know, there's people out there that I don't know their story. They could be battling with something much, much larger. And my hope is that, you know, maybe I can empower them to sort of feel like that they can put that to the forefront um, and even make a, you know, a bigger hero's journey over that speed hump. Like we were talking about, of sort of taking that negative and turning it into the biggest mm-hmm. positive imaginable. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I think the other side of it is also though, not to compare your own struggles as well. Mm-hmm. Like obviously everyone deals with things in different ways and, and your, your really bad day might be someone else's, you know, rainbow, but, <laughs> but that's no reason to like say, oh, there's their, their situation is worse. I shouldn't, I don't have a reason to feel like shit. I, uh, I shouldn't be upset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, something that a lot of people struggle with is comparing themselves and going, I don't deserve, you know, attention for this issue because someone else has it worse. And, um, it's something that I think a lot of people have a hard time getting past. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, look, it is, it is, um, it's really sad that we don't, um, we don't all as human beings understand and, and really believe in our own sacredness and our own value. And mm. we all deserve to be sort of held in that high regard and to be respected. And those basic human principles should be afforded to us all. And yeah, you're, you're so right that, that, that metric of sort of suffering and, and experience, like it's so subjective and you can't, Mm. can't compare one with another it just needs to be all of our own journeys but the best thing that we can do to assist one another in sort of um yeah moving forward in a positive trajectory is to um acknowledge that Mm. sort of sovereignty and that sacredness in each person just know you know what like you're a human being i'm a human being we're both going through our things but at the end of the day i can see the the beauty and the love that's within you and i want to kind of you know, lift that and bring that to the surface and mm-hmm. else that might be going on. That's not necessarily my business, but the only things that I can sort of contribute are those, um, yeah, those positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I was reading through um, obviously doing research for this and I there's a, a statement about the album cover Um saying that it illustrates the walls of the real world mediocrity that Ocean Grove are looking to shatter. What, what are these walls? What is this mediocrity that needs shattering about the world? I guess it's just the, like the material world that we are kind of enveloped in. Like it's, it's, it's just this need for, 
um, consumerism and material gratification and mm. um, things like this that we're so caught up in that um, it's basically we are living in the matrix um, and we're on, <laughs> we're on autopilot and that's very much what uh, the imagery of that album cover is sort of trying to represent. It's sort of it's kicking through and it's revealing the odd world, which to us, that's, that's where Ocean Grove, um, you know, that's our universe. That's where we're at play. And that's, that's for us, that's the real world, you know, that's where we want to be. And, um, and so where it's, you know, this, this shoe, which it, it, it symbolizes the, the kind of transportation slash transformation, uh, object vehicle, kind of like, mm. you know, the telephone booth in the matrix, you know, it's, it's your way out. It's sort of, it's symbolizing that it, like, to take it further, you know, it's, it's it's essentially that's what we're trying to present in a lot of the themes that are in the album. It's about facing, um, you know, these these universal truths that um, we are, yeah, living in a material world and that we are kind of, we're spiritual beings having a human experience and we have a soul and we are sort of enveloped by this fleshy, kind of weird skin body but um you know at the end of the day yeah we are spiritual beings having a human experience and so uh yeah i spent the last couple of years like sort of studying um bhakti yoga and, and vedic philosophy and that's really in been infused in uh the themes that are present on this album and a lot of that is about facing the fact that um, a lot of what we perceive to be um, real uh, is kind of an illusion. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. And you might have heard the term Maya um, or like sort of illusion that's presented to us. And the matrix that we're living in, um, it's an it's incredibly fascinating um, topic to get into because it's so deep and universal. And this is incredibly ancient thousands of years mm. old wisdom from sacred texts that sort of you put it into a 21st century context. And I think now more than ever, a lot of people are turning to um, this kind of wisdom because we are going so far down the rabbit hole of consumerism and yeah, material gratification and these things that kind of keep us trapped in the cycles of yeah, the, the repetition of sort of seeking out pleasure through, um, yeah, like things like, drugs and alcohol and sex and money. And, and this is what our song Sex Dope Gold sort of is talking, mm. talking about how like you, you go back for more and more and it doesn't take someone to have, you know, studied, studied this philosophy to understand that alcoholism or a drug addiction uh, doesn't turn out well. Uh, mm-hmm. is isn't going to give you <laughs> fulfillment and happiness. So it's really about just taking those kind of universal truths that we all understand to be true and like just diving deeper on that and going like, Hey, you know what? Like actually like life isn't just about getting rich and, you know, getting wasted and, and like, you know, having, having all this like money and, and a big house to sort of show for what you've done in your life. Like you can't take that with you. And it's about, mm. it's about sort of establishing these deeper practices in your life so that you can kind of transcend those more, um, yeah, menial, limited um, actions. Mm. Yeah, it's got to go a little deeper than just what you can um, wear down the street sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and we've been seeing there's, there's a lot of themes throughout 
I would say all of your music, a lot of your music about the rejection of the norm and, and expectations to be a reoccurring theme and things like that. Um, and, and there was a statement that you're not, in, in, in the sort of genre changes, you're not trying to write for one particular audience or genre anymore and there's, you know, uh, envelopments of other influences. Um, what would you say have been the influences in adopting that mindset and that change of creative focus? I think like Ocean Grove has sort of been building to this point uh, for a few albums now. We very mm. much um, like gave it a red hot crack with our first album, the Rhapsody Tapes, with sort of seeing just how many sounds and just how diverse we could get away with making one album, like within one album. Yeah. And that was a super fun experiment to play. And and then when it's come to the follow-up albums, we've sort of needed to, uh, in ways, hone in on um, particular elements and... Um, but all the while continuing to progress our sound. So it's sort of we take like a 50% chunk of what we've done on the previous album and we try and infuse that with 50% sort of new, um, yeah, new flavours and new influences. And I think we'll always sort of take that kind of similar approach because, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely about not stagnating. Um, we always want to sort of, sort of keep things fresh. And I, I think for us, like, the, the thing that we always was a massive light bulb mom, moment, the thing that made um, writing music so exciting was that we knew that we had so many tools to play with and across, you know, amongst, amongst like um, the group of us, there were so many influences to draw upon and so many different styles and the application of that could vary in so many ways. And so um, it's really just been like a journey of finding out, okay, what, like, what can Ocean Grove really get away with? What are our, are our strengths? What are some of our weaknesses that we can lean into and kind of make better? But at the end of the day, the idea to be in a band that no one can ever predict what the next release is going to be like and mm-hmm. to be a band that um, can put out an album that just leaves you kind of going like, what the hell did I just listen to? And like, that doesn't, <laughs> any sense by conventional standards like an album shouldn't shouldn't do that like it's sort of you're like we almost want to frustrate the listener a little bit because again it's it's about shaking up that norm and and like yeah getting getting the listener to sort of reevaluate their own understanding of like what it means to be an album what it what it means to be like what what music even is what like the confines that music and an album have to fall within um, I praise anyone that sort of is challenging art in any format in that way because that that mm. that is how you get progressive thought um, and that is how you get um, truly standout um, art is people that are sort of trying to trying their best <laughs> to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes <laughs> it's um, it is really hard, but at least that attempt um, you can take pride in. Yeah, hundred percent. It's. Um... I there's the whole like you know nothing is original but if you can mash together whatever you like then there's all the possibilities definitely definitely and I think um yeah gosh when I think of the (laughs) the possibilities that are still uh (laughs) in um in the future for Ocean Grove it's it is very exciting because um I think we're only just peeling back the first few layers and um 
I just, I, I, I kind of wish that I could view what we were doing from the outskirts as a, as a fan, because, um, it's just, it's just as exciting. Like for me, like I don't, I, I, I'm aware of like the direction we're going, but I also have no idea at all. And I'm just like, is that, <laughs> is that how fans like sort of feel as well? <laughs> uh, I mean, at least you're consistent with your attitude of nothing is like predictable and permanent, you know, everything exactly, changes. Exactly. And that's kind of, I, I do have to laugh at that. I'm like, people have reminded us of that over the years. They're like, you know what? The thing about Ocean Grove is that you guys can do pretty much anything and we'll be like, well, that's just Ocean Grove. That's just what they do, which I, that, that makes me laugh. Well, it definitely affords you a lot of freedoms. There's less pressure to sort of produce something that you're, uh, you know, hoping a certain type of person will enjoy. Well, exactly. You know, it's, it's amazing what, um, what songs end up doing well when you you least expect it you know for instance Hitachi which is the closing track to our opening album has now I'm pretty sure become the highest streamed song off that album on Spotify believe it or not Mm. it's kind of just like a driving off into the distance kind of gorillas like acoustic-y song it is Mm -hmm. so far from like a classic Ocean Grove song yet it's sort of it's somehow somewhere in the world there are people that have gravitated to this one particular song <laughs> and it was just one of 12 flavors that we presented on that album. And we just thought then, you know, we're like, who, who's to know that one of these songs won't be someone's favorite and yet they might hear one of the singles and go, Oh, it's not for me. And it's just like mm-hmm. you broaden your horizon simply by just not going for one sound, but why not go for many? Yeah, 100%. And it's been <laughs> described, like this new release, this new album has been described as a departure from the heavier side that you've previously produced. And uh, outside of obviously what we've seen so far with the single releases, um, what else can we expect? Like what are your favourite new elements to expect from the the album stylistically and everything? Yeah, I think um, like that that statement is very much, it's not a closed it's not a closed statement. It's sort of like for now, <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a departure from a heavier side for now because I think we very much wanted to nail what we were, what we set out to do kind of at the start of writing Flipbone Fantasy. Um, when Twiggy, our bassist and vocalist, he, he, you know, he joined the band and that very much injected not only a new energy but also like a writing style that hadn't been present in Ocean Grove before. So, um, and we, we very much embraced that. We weren't sort of about to go, oh, hey, you know, your style is quite different to stuff we've done in the past. Like I think for the sake of ourselves and the fans or whatever, I think we should just best just not not have mm. tribute and we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Instead mm-hmm. of that, we actually sort of, we did lean into what Twiggy was presenting. We went, okay, you've got all these fresh ideas. Like, let's see how we can make that happen. And so he was in a band called the Beverly Chills. Um, they toured with us when we did our headline run in Australia for the Rhapsody tapes. And, um, you know, very much more that's like their style was like sort of Cali surf punk um, mm-hmm. sort of rock and it was really like really cool stuff. And that, that's what originally had drawn me um to, to Twiggy as a person as and as an artist, I sort of, yeah, I heard the Beverly Chills. I met him as a person. I was like, I'm really like digging what this guy's doing. And so when the opportunity came to get him in the band, we knew that one of the big factors, we couldn't, we couldn't really turn away 
from the fact that he was bringing a very unique style that was different to Ocean Grove um, and something that we had never really like dipped our toes into before. And that, that was something exciting to lean into rather than back away from, as I've sort of said, you know, it's like you just take these moments and think, okay, well, we could do something that is familiar for our fans and for ourselves or, um, we could really take on and embrace this change. And that's very much what we did. And Flipboom Fantasy and Up Near Forever are, in my eyes, very much a brother and sister combo. Um, and moving forward after this, I really, um, I'm really excited because it's like game on. I think we've ticked off what we set out to do when it was the start of Flipboom Fantasy has finally culminated and, um, in my eyes, kind of been perfected for what we were going for with Up Near Forever. There's like an array of sounds as as we do on all our albums, but I really think, um, you know, a song like Bored, um, which features our mates Dune Rats, like that's going to be a really super fun, um, yeah, like indication of what we were kind of going for with this album and it's going to translate the high energy and that sort of PMA Persona, like personified, you know, in that song and hopefully we can get them up on stage and play it with us. That'll just be um, so much yeah. fun. But it's really intended to sort of get everyone out of their seats, you know, jumping up and down, like really getting into that high energy, high intensity sort of, um, yeah, atmosphere and mood. And um, as I said, like we we really, we embrace the evolution of this band and it's, it's not a a close statement to say, oh, despite this being sort of a, a progression away from a heavier sound, it doesn't mean that that's forever. Mm. Um, and I get very much excited about, um, yeah, flipping back on ourselves again and going, okay, like, you know, what are some of the sounds that we haven't explored for a little bit? Like maybe we can reinfuse that. And um, that's what makes me sort of think, gosh, it would be exciting to just be a, a listener, a fan of this band, because I get excited knowing that like we could just do anything. And um, album number four, it's just like, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Is there a song you're most uh, excited about? Uh, off this album? Um, yeah. I'm really excited. There's a song called Noise, um, which I think is going to be a bit of a like a fan favorite in a way. Something just tells me that that'll sort of just really translate well live. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bored will be like super fun. Um, the opening track, Flavor, like is a really, we always like try and sort of start our albums in a really fun kind of way. And I think that's, um, that's going to be a super fun one live. But yeah, look, I, I'm I'm super psyched for the whole thing as a package. We write our albums, yeah, with that idea of it being a journey and it being sort of a one whole experience rather than just a few singles and then the rest sort of B-sides, whatever track. So yeah, excited yep. for it all, excited for everyone to hear it. And, um, yeah, we've sort of put put that, t- taken that angst and that, um, you know, the, the sort of the defeat and all these negative feelings that have been brought up during this pandemic and tried to, flip it on its head and present the most positive, uplifting thing that we possibly could. Yeah. And do you have, what are your plans for the rest of the year post-COVID, hopefully? (laughs) Yeah, so we've got, um, we had originally announced uh, a tour for Flip Phone Fantasy, which was supposed to happen last year in August. I'm Uh, still waiting on a reschedule. Yeah, Yeah. so... (laughs) The rescheduled dates are due to be announced very, very soon. I'm in talks with our agents at the moment. We have dates and everything. We've just got to get a couple more ducks in a row and then 
hopefully within the next fortnight we'll have new dates out there and we can finally be like it's happening you know we're there and so very pumped on that so that's sort of like we've got you know unify coming up which will be our first show back you know the just over two years which is just beautiful to think about uh, and then following up from that, we'll have our, yeah, headline, headline dates not long after, uh, which is exciting. And then we have monolith, um, shows with, uh, for monolith festival, which is, yeah, yeah. run of um, festival dates with carnival and cog happening now rescheduled in, uh, August. Um, yep. and yeah, like a few, a few exciting plans in the pipeline to hopefully get back, you know, get back overseas, hopefully get to UK and Europe again. Cause that was the last place we played before the um, pandemic hit. Mm. We were in the UK, um, playing shows the week before, um, you know, album came out, came back, album went out and then Shit it went the into lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, uh, Unify is literally a week away. Um, who are you keen to see take the stage? Um, I'm very, very excited to sort of, it's, you know, it's, a, it's also a little sad moment, but, you know, Dream and Dream sort of their kind of farewell, one of their farewell yeah. shows. Grew up like, you know, first being like 12 or 13, going to shows, like seeing Dream on Dreamer to then befriending them and, and like touring, you know, kind of here and there with them. Um, and now to sort of, yeah, see that, um, that chapter ending for them, it'll sort of be, um, yeah, that'll be a great show to witness. Um, gosh, who else? I mean, I'm really excited to see Wax. Uh, Mm. who else? Uh, I don't know. There's honestly, there's a lot of music on there that um, I'm like, I haven't been in the loop with. And I'm just like, it's so great that it's all Australian and that it's, yeah, um, yeah it's just putting a lot of, I think for the first time ever, it's really allowed the opportunity for quite a few more local acts um, that wouldn't maybe normally get a shot to actually get a shot. So I'm really, I'm really excited to just sort of to see what a lot of these new bands have to show and um, yeah, hopefully become a fan of the, yeah, a few new bands on them there. Yeah, I was actually like, like you've said, you know, flipping flipping negative into a positive. I was so excited to see that we had an all Aussie lineup because it 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 allows for so much opportunity for our local industry that we don't have a huge focus on. Yeah, um, like like a perfect example is that Geelong has booked the Foo Fighters. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. okay, amazing. Yeah. Love it. Would love to see that. But who could we have supported with all of the money that that cost mm. and the resources? Who could have we supported locally? Yeah, so true. But we'll see. Maybe it'll bring in, you know, a whole bunch of economic boom. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I am, yeah, very excited for Unify. I'm heading to a gig the night before and then driving to Unify. So I'm going to be dead, uh, but, the only but I'll be there for your set hundred <laughs> percent. Everyone will be dead, <laughs> dead with you. So, um, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> um, I suppose we'll wrap it up now. I've already gone well over time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what are your, as we always ask your top three Aussie artists at the moment? Top three Aussie artists at the moment, I think, um, one would be Tropical Fuckstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really loving everything that they're doing. Um, yeah, last album they put out last year was, was really great and I was a, a big fan of the, their previous two 
um, they put out like a really cool um, sort of video live stream um, sort of thing a couple of months back and that was really inventive and fun and um, great and I saw them um, perform like no so there was like a I think it was for the Melbourne uh, like film festival maybe a couple of years back they did a live score to no country for old men oh wow and i think it went so well that they then decided to do the sh- like the show again um just like as their own gig and i yeah. took a mate along and it was just like you know i'd seen them in sort of the normal like band like context but there's something about that like seeing them in that context like performing live to like an amazing film it was just like it just it really changed my whole view of them and put them in a whole different league. And I'm a huge, like huge fan of Gareth Lydiard and, um, and the drones and, and everything. So anything he touches, I'm kind of like, oh, it turns to gold anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah Tropical Fox Storm is, um, doing really great in my eyes at the moment. Um, another, another ask probably be, you know, Civic. I think they're like, they've been doing some really, really cool stuff. Um, the last few years, really just great Melbourne based punk, um, music and yeah they put out an awesome record last year as well um and then maple glider i'm pretty sure she's from australia as well yeah she um put out uh, just an awesome like kind of folky record that was like the soundtrack to my like lockdown depression like winter <laughs> last year um just like bought it on vinyl and just had it playing so so much and um just yeah great sounds great production um, just really sweet voice and really sweet songs that, um, I don't know, I'm a sucker for that kind of like timeless songwriting, yeah. you know. Um, so a bit of a varied mixed bag there. But, um, yeah, I guess they all put out albums last year, so I guess it's pretty relevant. <laughs> yeah, recent stuff, yep. yep. I've got a yeah. cat on my lap now. I know. Can we not do this? <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, awesome. Um, we also try to put together like a little playlist of everyone's top three, so maybe we'll get that sent your way. I don't know. Cool. Thank you so much for your time and energy. Um, we've got Up in the Air Forever coming out on April 22nd. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, can't wait to see the show at Unify. Uh, might see you around on ground instead of through a screen. Yeah, forward to it. Yeah, um, pumped to see what's what's to come, and um, I wish you the best of days. Awesome, thanks so much. It's been a it's been a real treat. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome, good on you. See ya. See you later. Okay. Well, that's that. There he goes. As said, Up in the Air Forever is out April 22nd. It's a while away, but, you know, it'll be worth the wait, I reckon. Maybe I'll have a report back post-Unify. This will be going up after Unify at this point, but we'll see how things go. That was a lovely chat with Dale. Thank you so much to him for chatting and to Abby from Unified for booking us in so quickly. Um, This is a very sudden last-minute booking. Hope you enjoyed and hopefully we've got some interesting stuff coming up next i am now solo for the moment um so i'll do my best to get everything up as much as i can um but yeah listen out we'll see what's to come as with everything else (laughs) thanks for listening